Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WNYC studios in Soho. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. I'm really grateful you're here. We have a very musical show this week. As you'll hear later this hour, we're kicking off our public song project in which we invite you to take a song from music history and bring it into 2024. All this week, we're going to hear examples of what that might sound like and have conversations with artists and musical historians. We'll learn about the history of Tin Pan Alley and the blues. That is the plan for the week. That is in our future, but right now in our present, we're going to get this hour started with Josh Redner. The past few months have been incredibly busy for Josh Radner. He has a challenging play opening at the public this week. He got married last month, and he recently released a new solo album called Eulogy Volume 1. Let's listen to a song from the album. This is You Can Sleep Alone Tonight. At the same hotel one year ago I brought her back to this room There's not much to say She came back every day Twice that one afternoon It wasn't just bodies But oh how our bodies Tangled so effortlessly There was much laughter Before and after And sometimes in between I wanna call her up Say, how are you? How's things? Are you doing all right? Then a quiet voice It tells me it's okay Sleep alone tonight. The backstory for the album includes in part a post-breakup road trip from L.A. to Columbus, Ohio to his folks' house, then Nashville. There he recorded songs that consider loneliness, aging, and what's possible in New York City. Josh is in New York now for a new production of the public theater called The Ally, in which he plays a progressive Jewish college professor who's pressured by students to sign a social justice manifesto, which turns out to be more complex than it seems, causing the character to grapple with his own identity. The play opens on Thursday and is running through March 10th. Josh Radner is with me in the studio now. We're going to talk about the that play a little bit later but right now we're having a listening party for his new album eulogy volume one nice to meet you hi thanks allison great to be here and i have to say congratulations on your wedding (laughs) i think people saw it in the new york times this unforgettable happening um your guests were stranded due to a snowstorm not all the guests most of the guests planned to stay there yeah yeah yeah. some (laughs) of the considering we're having snow i thought that was uh, okay to bring up um what was the moment then you realized oh what was it like when you? well they tried to keep some of it from us, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I gathered from some of my friends who were saying like, "Hey, we're here all night," you know, Aww. and it turned into, you know, I mean, 
you know, for some people, I'm sure it was tougher than for others, but it was really, it just ended up being a very special night, very snow-filled and beautiful, yeah. So I feel like I can say this to you after listening to Joshua 45 to 46, given the lyrics, I've never seen how I met your mother. Oh, that's fine. Neither has my wife. <laughs> so it was, you know, I was, I was telling you I have a 15-year-old son, so it was kind of right in that zone of being a new mom and a young... Of course. So I was I'm super busy and I'm I aware... I forgive you. you obviously, <laughs> I'm aware of it because of in the universe, but in, you have a lyric in this song when you're talking about people make assumptions are like sort of overly friendly with you because of it and they think you're like your character Um, and that that was tough for you for for a little while. Yeah, I mean, it's always, uh, you know, if you're on a show for nine years that is that iconic and kind of present, it just, um, you know, it's a shadow that kind of tails you, but it's also, you also have to tally up all the blessings that you get from something like that too. So like most things, it's a complicated gift. Well, you talk also in the song about how you didn't start to write until you were after older 40, after 40, yeah. and how you wish you'd started in the 90s. <laughs> um, is that true that you started writing songs after 40? Uh, yeah, I started writing songs with my friend Ben Lee, who's an I Australian songwriter. Yeah. yeah, we um, put out two albums as Radner and Lee, and we mm-hmm. toured, and we, we had a whole thing. And I, the first record, I didn't play guitar, but we, we wrote all the oh. songs together, and um I fell in love with songwriting and then halfway through our collaboration, I picked up a guitar and he taught me a bunch of stuff and I got a teacher and um, I, then songs just poured out of me. So huh. by the time I was ready to record this album, Eulogy, I had about 50 original songs. I mean, more than that, but some of them are not even worth playing for your producers. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I, I had written enough songs that I kind of started to get a sense of like what my taste was and also what what was worth maybe considering to be on the record. And then it ended up being a double album, the one we, we uh, recorded in Nashville. So yeah, I started late, but like I say in the song, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I had much to say in the 90s. I mm-hmm. think like there's something very interesting about becoming uh, a songwriter in middle, middle age where you've been dinged up enough, you've had enough failure, enough success, enough kind of heartbreak or, I mean, just you have enough life behind you to actually have someone to write about. So I'm really happy about that. And in the song, again, obviously it's not word for word truth, but you note, you note that you write every day. Is that still the case? Do you? Uh, at the time I wrote that song, I was writing every day. Really? It's hard to rehearse a play at the public and write songs. I mean, I, I have so many careers now and, and I love that because I can, you know, I just, I don't like doing one thing. I like doing lots of different yeah. things, but I have to kind of take off a hat and put on another hat. And so for the latter part of last year, I was musician, musician, you know, touring, promoting the record. Mm-hmm. And now I'm actor, 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 you know, uh, doing this play. So, uh, you know, I picked up my guitar the other day and I was like, wow, this feels good, but yeah. it's been a minute. How has your songwriting changed from that, those first outpourings to what you can do now? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that um, uh, people who play guitar kind of know this. It's it's kind of easy to get decent quickly. You know, you can learn seven, eight chords and you can write thousands of songs. You can write thousands of songs with two three or three chords. chords. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, truth, really. As they say. Yeah, <laughs> and the truth, that's all you need. And you don't have to be a virtuosic, mm-hmm. is that the word? Uh, musician to be a great songwriter. And in fact, a lot of the, a lot of the best songwriters are not great, you know, on the guitar or mm-hmm. piano, they just kind of know how to construct a song. So I feel like there's a euphoria to your first year or two of songwriting, where you're figuring this out. And it feels like you're the first person discovering how to how to put chords <laughs> together and how to and when you realize like, oh, I can do this. And I can do this even without Ben, who was, you know, has been doing this since he was 11 or 12. Um, there was something so thrilling about it. And 
songs just poured out of me. And I, at the time, I thought, oh, these are quite good. But then I realized, oh, no, there's another level of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, depth and, and excellence that I could. But I just kept going. And I think maybe some of the you get a little harder on yourself because you notice your habits and you notice your tendencies and you kind of want to bust them up. But I will say I, I write songs more as a fan than as a musician in terms of I really have an ear for what I like, the kind of sounds I like or the um, musicians I really dig. So I write more like, what do I want to hear? You know, and Ben used to tell me the longer you're at it as a musician, sometimes you you start writing to impress other musicians rather than your audience. <laughs> and he said he liked writing with me because I would say, what are you doing? No, I don't like that fancy thing. Let's mm-hmm. just, you know, CFG sounds really nice. Let's just keep doing that. My guest is Josh Radner. The name of the album is Eulogy Volume 1. We're having a listening party for it. So let's listen to another track. What If? When did you write this one? Um, I wrote this with my buddy Kyle Cox, who's one of the producers on the album. He's a great Nashville songwriter and producer. Um, I think we wrote this. This was pandemic time. We were doing a lot of Zoom songwriting. Um, 2021, probably. Um, And it's really about being relatively happy in a relationship and also panicking and thinking you got to you got to get out. (laughs) (laughs) Let's listen to What If from Josh Radner. I'm staring at the ceiling My girl is next to me My hunger for another life has disappeared I've never been so happy So safe, so warm, so free I gotta get myself the hell away from here She loves me in the morning I hold her through the night Sometimes she looks at me But I can barely breathe She takes two steps forward I take a few steps back Why do I let my love become my enemy? What if I've no gift for prophecy? What if things work out in the end? What if I was slightly less assured? What if I let myself be loved by her? I am a storyteller. My brain goes straight to fear. That's Josh Radner. So the line, I am a storyteller. Are you a lyrics first guy or are you a music first guy? (laughs) You know, it's hard to answer. I, I think some songs get written and you think, you you start playing a chord progression it makes you feel something you say oh what does it make me feel it makes me feel this and then I I know for that song I kind of had a melody kicking around Mm -hmm. and I brought it to Kyle and and we just uh, worked through the song together other times you get a really strong lyrical idea you know sometimes I'll be on an airplane and I'll just get struck with an idea and I'll just scribble a bunch of lyrics and then um, in some ways I prefer lyrics first but I would say they come in all different ways yeah the story goes, this album, and again, the internet, so please correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. had a breakup, you're living in L.A., you drive across the country, you bring your dog. I think I 
flew, did I? Fly? Oh no, I didn't drive across. The <laughs> I I couldn't be at my house for a number of reasons. My my oh. ex was staying there for a while, so I was kind of in exile from LA. <laughs> so I came to Columbus. I had uh, my dog uh, driven out. I okay. actually Nelson, my dog, he had the cross country trip. So Nelson, yes, had the trip. I, Nelson had the trip. So he <laughs> met me in Columbus. Uh, I was laying low for about a month. My, my parents spend uh, the winters in California with my older sister and her family. So um, my childhood home was empty and I was just kind of, you know, nursing my mm -hmm. wounds. And it was really, it was just a kind of unexpected change of sure. life plan. So um, I was laying low and connecting with old friends. My younger sister lives there. And then Kyle suggested, you know, why don't you come to Nashville? You got some time, you got a window. Uh, let's, let's record an album. Our friends, Jeremiah Dunlap and Corey Quintard were available. So I rented an Airbnb in East Nashville and Nelson and I drove my dad's car out to Nashville and they turned it into a music studio and we just lived there for a month and, or I lived there for a month. Mm -hmm. They came over every day and we um, created this record. And then at night I would go over to Kyle's after he put his kids to sleep and we recorded this these uh, acoustic tracks, which became volume um, two, which will come out in a couple months. Okay, first of all, what kind of dog is Nelson? He's a Labradoodle. Oh, so he's he about twenty-eight pounds. He's yeah. cute and friendly and hypoallergenic. That's right. All <laughs> all three things I, that were requirements for me. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? I think Airbnb needs to get to start a new ad campaign because there have been so many musicians I've talked to, especially during the pandemic. Oh, that said, make their I got an Airbnb. And, yeah. And it, what is it about being? It's an underpublicized uh, aspect of Airbnb. <laughs> they should really. Yeah. What is it about renting someplace that's not your house to write? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I suppose it's not unlike getting office space where you could write mm -hmm. at your kitchen table, but you, you know, there's something, it formalizes the work a little bit more. you actually have a destination to go to. I mean, I was sleeping there, but, um, I think there's something about getting away from it all and becoming a little more of a work hermit and just mm -hmm. saying, this is, this is our little cottage where we're making something. It's, there's a sweet aspect to it. Let's listen to another song from the album Eulogy Volume 1, Pretty Angel, you wrote with Audrey Assad. Uh, no, sorry. Audrey just does... She sings on the track. She sings on the track. She sings on the track. I wrote sings this. Sings on the track. Great. Yeah. Great songwriter, though. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you want to work with her? Um, she's a she's a friend. She's someone I connected with in Nashville through another mutual friend. And she's an incredible, I mean, she has a gorgeous voice, as you'll hear. Mm -hmm. She was also singing on um, You Can Sleep Alone Tonight. Um, but Audrey, uh, she kind of came up through, like, Christian music and has abandoned that somewhat. And it's just, uh, she's just an extraordinary um songwriter and she's an extraordinary person you know uh, i mean it's it's the best when you get to become friends with people artistically who you actually find like oh we have more in common than music mm -hmm. you know and uh she's just a wonderful artist she's someone i'm really glad i know let's hear pretty angel read all the news i know all the views now i got the blues it's time to lay down the house without sound, but my head is loud. It's three in the morning, and I just can't sleep. Cause I'm still in mourning for everything I can't. Sing me to sleep Please, pretty angel Can't count no more sheep Help me, pretty angel 
all my mistakes I keep playing the tape Why did I say that? Wish I could go back Why am I afraid to act? It's four in the morning This is how it goes. Sing me to sleep. My guest is Josh Radner. We're discussing his album Eulogy Volume 1. We'll hear more music after a quick break. This is all of it. This is All of It on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. My guest in studio is Josh Radner. His new album is called Eulogy Volume 1, which is out now. So we've gotten to this. We've arrived at the song New York City, which we have to listen to, of course. <laughs> um, when you think about New York City, what was it that you wanted to capture about New York City in this song? I mean, to be honest, I some of it was just a like a writing exercise to myself. Oh. I was trying to come up with as many rhymes for city as I could, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't use gritty. Um, well done. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there there was some of some of it was that, and then a lot of it was just that feeling that when you have a romance, that's probably let's be honest, pretty short lived, but mm-hmm. it's like associated with a city. You know, like I love those Richard Linkletter movies before Sunrise and before Sunset. Sure. And they're all, you know, is like there's Paris, there's Vienna, mm-hmm. there, you know. And um, sometimes the the romance or what happens with that person is so collapsed in with the city itself that you're not quite sure what you're loving mm-hmm. <laughs> at some point. You know, is it the city? Is it the person? And it, it, they're inextricably bound up with each other. So New York City is both a love letter to a person and a time, um, but also the city itself. Let's hear NYC. I'm alone. What a pity I won't be soon in New York City when I see you. Please permit me to tell you everything. New York City All our talks so profound and witty When we were stoned back in New York City I am worried You're still pretty the way that you were Back in New York City Witty, pretty yeah. Well done. I mean, later you get into stuff like admitty. <laughs> it, he must admitty. 
All right. Since we're in New York, this is this is the segue to theater. Sure. All right. Um, so you're about to open at the Public on Thursday. So this show, I can't wait to see this. This seems I, I love uh, your director. Lila. Lila Neugebauer. who We just talked to her about Appropriate. Okay, great. Which is, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, gosh, you would think somebody wrote this a few months ago, but it's, uh, yeah. it was written in 2022, correct? Uh, no, no. He started this in like 2018. That I mean, he's been back. working on it for a couple years. Yeah. This so, is Edomar Moses, the playwright. Yeah. So it's about a college professor, considers himself progressive, confronted by a student to sign a social justice manifesto, turns out to be pretty complex. Uh, tell us a little bit about your character. What are his values? What is he struggling with when asked to do a fairly something might be seen as simple initially? Yeah, yeah. Um, his name's Asaf Sternheim. He's um, he's American. He has Israeli parents. He mm. grew up in the Bay Area. Um, and yeah, he considers himself a real progressive, has a long history of, you know, aligning himself with progressive causes. Um, and he's moved to this university town with his wife who got a job, a more of an administrative job. And a student whose um, cousin was killed in a kind of Black Lives Matter-ish uh, police shooting um, asks him to sign a social justice manifesto, which happens to be authored by a soft sex girlfriend, <laughs> Nakia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he struggles because he reads the manifesto and he it, there, there's a you know 98% of it he says he agrees with but there's um this somewhat aggressive anti-israel language in there and he's you know he 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 has very complicated views about israel but he's just confused why israel singled out mm-hmm. you know um but he ends up signing it and that that leads to a whole other series of events which are the rest of the play which mm-hmm. i won't spoil but it is a fascinating I don't know if cocktail is the right word, but there's a mix of, uh, you know, it's politics, how the politi- the political and the personal yeah. get um, kind of intertwined. It's about um, campus politics and progressive politics and Israeli politics. I mean, it really, in terms of a timely subject matter, you can't get more timely than this well, one. Yeah, Obviously set before October 7th of this year. Uh, how do you think a play or a piece of art like this could be particularly helpful at this moment? Well, you know, I did a couple workshops of this play last year before we were in the official rehearsal period. And I remember we read through it and one of the actors said, the thing that that is so heartbreaking about this play is everyone's right. Everyone's right. Every mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. that speaks is speaking from their perspective. They're speaking truth. And, you know, I, this is something that I felt very strongly in college was, you know, the kind of... Um, is it Fitzgerald who says, you know, hold two truths in your head without losing your mind or something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, sign of intelligence. Yeah, the sign of intelligence. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's really about holding paradox and also holding parallel histories in one's head. And um, I think that, you know, I'm very suspicious, not just in, you know, uh, the current, you know, conflict that mm-hmm. this is dealing with, but I'm very suspicious of people who are very certain you know, who mm-hmm. who think in ways that are not nuanced mm-hmm. and who can't admit their own biases and their own fallibility. So I think, you know, we're obviously a little bit nervous about this play just because mm-hmm. the subject matter yeah. is so um, provocative for people. But at the same time, I would say if you're coming to see this play and you have a very strong opinion about any of these matters, just wait. Your opinion will be voiced. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's all he looks at it almost like a prismatically like like he examines every different facet of this thing and it's quite astonishing how much ground he covers in in an evening um so i'm just glad you know i like a lot of people i'm anguished about all of this stuff but i'm so grateful that i have a piece that can speak to my own anguish and that i can just throw myself into and You know, Itamar said, um, I started writing this play because I had all these questions, and then I finished the play, and I still had the same questions. So I don't think it's an ideological kind of polemic. It's more of an anguish kind of howl to the heavens (laughs) to say, what do we do? Are you all going to do talkbacks at all? No. (laughs) Very very intentionally, I think no. Mm -hmm. I think that you will... uh, Please come with a friend that you can talk about it Mm -hmm. with afterwards. I think it'll be great for a post-show discussion, but I think they're sparing us that. (laughs) You mentioned it before the break, but I want to make sure we we talk about it. There there will be a volume two of your record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a couple months, I'm going to start dropping a couple singles from it. And it's a a more kind of stripped-down, basement tapes acoustic kind Mm -hmm. of vibe than, than the first volume, which is more produced. All right, so we've got The Ally, which is opening this week at the Public Theater, running now through March 17th. Uh, the new album, Eulogy Volume 1, is out now. we got to wait for Volume 2. Uh, we're going to go out on the song Heaven Knows. What would you like people to listen for in this song? Um, well, one of the great things about recording in Nashville is you think, well, maybe we should have some trumpet on this, or do we want <laughs> piano? And you say, my buddy lives two doors down. He's the best trumpet player in town. Let's go grab him. You know, So there's just <clears throat> some fantastic musicians playing on this song, Nashville-based musicians. Um, but this is the only, you know, um, I think in some ways the album has been labeled a breakup record, which I don't know if it is. It was more, because a lot of these songs were not written around the breakup, they were just recorded in the shadow of this Mm -hmm. breakup. However, this is probably, I think, the last song I wrote chronologically for this record. And this song was written kind of in the midst of the breakup, the one that sent me fleeing Los Angeles to Columbus (laughs) and into the arms of Nashville and into the arms of my wife on some level because I wrote, I met my wife around the time I was recording this album. Um, But this song is a, I wouldn't call it a breakup song, I'd call it a pre-breakup song. You know, the kind of song where you think, this isn't going well. This might this might be on its last legs. So, yeah. This is from Josh Radner. Josh, thanks for coming to the studio. Oh, thanks for having me. It was really a real treat. Thanks. This is Heaven Knows. It's the end of the road again. We've been here before, but it's different this time. Just a question of when we separate what's yours from what is mine heaven knows I try to walk away but here on earth I make the choice to stay In the morning I resolve to leave Today's show is featuring music of the past and we just heard about Josh Radner's new music available now but what about the future and when it meets the past? Coming up, the All of It Public Song Project is back and we'll explain how you can participate. 